Hey, and welcome to Positive Occult Podcast with me, Lucifer, and my psychic, Morgana, which she is not here today. Welcome to 2023. Can you believe it that we're in this new year? And yes, we're two weeks in the new year, and I have not put a podcast out because I've been so busy, but I've been also doing busy. I've been also busy doing my own research for my own work and for the podcast and trying to get some really good content going and trying to stay within their boundaries of the occult and keep it interesting for everyone. So I, I wanted to talk about a certain individual and a certain, I guess you would say pathway, which is a left-hand path, which is Buddhism. And people don't understand that Buddhism is a left-hand path. And it has its dark moments, but the left-hand path is about the self. It is about having responsibility of the self, self-awareness, which is different from the right-hand path, where it is more about, I guess you would say, depending on other forces to help you change yourself. And this is the one thing that you're starting to see this, I guess you would say, a merging of the occult and meditation, which have been over the years been very strong and, and started to develop because I think that people started realizing that meditation and all these things were always in spirituality from the Egyptians to hermetic practices. And it's very important. And as a practitioner, you should never uh, just hold yourself to one path and be like, oh, this is one way. I'm only going to do it this way because you are going to miss all the glory that is around you that can possibly tap into other things that you need to learn. Now, it's a twofold thing here, I think, on our life. One is to live out our karmic um, life between our bad karmic um, lifestyle and a good karmic lifestyle, and also being self-aware. And how does that come into the practices of the occult or whatever you practice, being witchcraft, sorcery, etc., or paganism, there is no matter what karmic action that is being constantly uh, a whirlwind around you and around others that affects you and affects uh, yourself primarily that you are responsible for. That's why I say when you do meditation, you start to become more self-aware of your own actions, being that good or evil, and knowing that what I'm doing is possibly may affect me in the future or may have karmic influences right at that moment. So this story, if you see in the title, is about uh, Melarepa, who is actually a Buddhist, um, a transcendent Buddhist, who is a Buddha. So people think Buddha is just like one person. That just means the awakened one, which was Siddhartha, which actually who was a Hindu and actually wanted to find true, um, I guess you would say, awakening. So Milarepa was another one, but he actually went a very dark path. And it is a story of black magic. It is a story of becoming and having an awakening. It is a story of somebody who does very terrible and evil things but it also shows that you can become uh, awakened in a bigger form. But it also shows this way of Tibetan Buddhism, which a lot of people don't understand, 
Um, in the West here, Buddhism is seen as being very peaceful and calm and, you know, nonviolent. Well, that is a very watered down version of Buddhism. In Tibetan Buddhism, they have a lot of gods and demons and places of hell and heaven, which a lot of practices do not believe in any of that. Or if it is, I believe it's something that's not even looked at because it really doesn't matter. It's really your karmic actions that matter the most. But Tibetan Buddhism always has this beautiful, I guess, ceremonial uh, part of of it's practice that I really love. And I've, I, I originally started in Zen and, uh, and then I started really getting deeper into Tibetan Buddhism. And I really, it really took me f to another level. Um, I studied Tai Nak Han and, uh, and all these study with these different, um, I guess, Noah Levine I studied with, and it does take you to another level. And, in my spirituality, as I studied Buddhism, I started realizing that this is the a great path to go down, which will definitely help in the future, and which helped me in the future of my practice that I have today, which I hope that you will too. You don't necessarily have to term yourself as a Buddhist. You could have study Buddhist philosophies and still be whatever you are. You can still be a witch. You can still be a sorceress. You can still be a Christian. You could be anything you want. Buddhism is not a uh, religion. It isn't actually a uh, spiritual way of life. So there's nothing in there that goes against witchcraft. There's nothing in Buddhism that goes against Christianity. There's nothing that goes against sorcery. It actually enhances your life and where you take responsibility of yourself. So we're going to study or talk about uh, the story of Melarepa and his journey through black magic which a lot of people don't understand that Buddhism has a lot of magic in it, as a lot of religions do, but they were all dumbed down, including Islam, including Christianity, including Judaism, where there is actually a lot of magic being done, but you don't see it. So here is Melarepa. Melarepa. Who is Melarepa? Who is this sage or this yogi? or this Buddha that was in the 10th to 12th century that is known for his black magic and how he used it to kill and have revenge. But he also paved this way to change his karma and to become an enlightened one. There is a famous book, and it's called The Life of Melarepa. And it's in, there's many editions of it. And I picked this book up years ago. And I read it. And then I didn't pick it up for a long time after that. And then I picked it up just recently again. And I'm like, I want to share this story with um, my audience because I think it's a really important way to look at transformation. It's a good way to look at the history of Buddhism and magic in general in, in the religion of, or the spiritual path. I, I don't really call it a religion of Buddhism. It is a way to show human progression and how somebody can go from a very vengeful person to a 
very enlightened one. And that call is actually from Morgana right now. <laughs> so Melarepa had a very rough life when he was younger. So his father died at a very young age when he was eight, nine years old. He had a mother and a sister. And during that time, the father was dying at eight, nine years old. And they're pretty wealthy. They had some farm land, like I've said before, if I did say that before. And uh, the father wanted to make sure that his son received, you know, the, the, the wealth and the land for what they had. Now, when you're talking about wealth, you're talking about this is in, in Tibet and during the 10th and 12th century. So to have land is you're wealthy. It wasn't like he lived in a, a castle, not like the Buddha, Siddhartha. So his father wanted him to have this land. And since he was young and when his father died, he had to have his sister, which was Melarepa's aunt, move in with him and the uncle. Well, unfortunate circumstances have happened. And like most of the time when families get involved with uh, things like this, sometimes they can go really south. Well, it did. Because Melarepa and his mother and his sister basically became servants when the father died to the aunt and uncle who were being the guardian of Melarepa. And unfortunately, you know, they made them live as servants, uh, let them eat the crappiest foods, made them dress in the crappiest clothes. And of course, his mother was very unhappy with that situation. And she was very vengeful about it. So her thing was that she was going to save some money up as Melarepa was growing older than when he turned 18. Her main goal was to send her son to a black magician. Now, the black magician in Tibet that they talk about in the, in the book of the life of, of Melarepa is... I mean, in certain versions, he's a Buddhist black magician or he's just a black magician in general. Like I said, a lot of the Tibetan people, of course, have their belief systems as pagan beliefs and a beautiful religion as their belief system has seeped into Tibetan Buddhism. Like I said, they believe in other deities, etc. So this black magician, Melarepa, she, excuse me, let's back up a little bit. The mother wanted him to learn black magic to get revenge on the aunt and uncle and the people of the village because the people of the village also treated him like crap. You know, sometimes, you know, people, they all get together as a group and this has happened many times in history and start just treating people a certain way because they just feel like either they want to be just follow a group or they don't want the the crowd to be turned on them. So they just roll with it, no matter how bad it is. Well, unfortunately for Melarepa and his family, this has happened. So the mother wanted to send him to this black magician to learn these incantations and magic to get back at his aunt and uncle as a revenge for all the wrong they have done to them. So Melarepa goes and learns all these incantations and all this black magic now, he was also a very 
incredible meditator from what it says that he meditated for long periods of time in dark in dark meditation now sometimes in meditation like you like you've known if you practice any type of sorcery or witchcraft or if you do at all if you don't that you have to actually use meditation to to bring up this energy and power that you need well that's what he did to get back at his aunt and uncles to learn these things so while he was in the mountains learning these things he came back down to his mother to perform this magical spell that it was so strong this magical spell that a demon appeared to him and said if you really want to use this magical spell on them you have to remember there's repercussions to these things there is karma you know and melarepa was blinded of course by vengeance and getting back at his aunt and uncle for treating him so disrespect disrespectfully but also inhumane and when you read the book you 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 go well i totally understand i, I probably would do the same thing but in his uncle's house his cousin which was his aunt and uncle's, um, uh, which, which was their child, was having a wedding. And during the wedding, Melarepa created this spell to engulf or basically send hundreds of thousands of scorpions, insects, spiders to infiltrate the, the party at his uncle's house. And it caused such a commotion because then, you know, you're not suddenly you have all these crazy insects all over you that people were trying to run out of the of the of the house of his uncle's house. But also that there was these animals that were tied to the house because, you know, when you tie a horse to the house, you tie donkeys or anything to the house, you tie it to the house. Well, the animals got so afraid that they actually pulled the house down. And when the house fell. It killed about 35 people. Well, it killed 35 people. That's what it says. And injured, of course, many others and ruined the whole wedding. Well, because of this, his, you know, people knew that he did this black magic uh, incantation on them. And they wanted to get revenge just for that. Now, you would think that if somebody can do that, I wouldn't want to even touch him with a 10-foot pole. If he has that much power, I mean, he's that strong, but people will still are going to, you know, look to get revenge themselves. Well, he heard about the threats that were being hailed upon his mother and his sister. And he sent a huge, using his powers, using his, his, his extreme strong powers, sent a hailstorm to destroy the crops of the people of his village. Now, during this time, Melarepa also started to feel sadness and understand that, wait a minute, I'm starting to regret doing these things because they were so extreme. And he knew that his karmic-like problems were not going to subside. And he knew that he actually created a sin. Now, there in Tibetan Buddhism, they actually use the word sin. So it's not the same as sin 
as in the Christian, I guess, wording of sin. So what he did, he went out to go seek out a teacher, a lama. Well, the first lama that he worked with really didn't give him what he, I guess, he felt like. Like, like all of us in journeys, we start searching for different teachers or different books or different ways to learn. And sometimes you just, it doesn't resonate with you. So I guess this Lama didn't resonate with him. So this Lama recommended that he go to Marpa, who's a very tough teacher, who's a very, I guess, extravagant teacher. And he seeked them. So he seeked him out to take him under, you know, hopefully Malarepa could go under Marpa's wing to learn and to get rid of his sin and his karmic um, problems that he's that he's going to face, that he knows that he's going to face in the future, and he's facing them now. So when he got to Marpa, and Marpa was very, like I said, he was a very charismatic teacher, but he's also super tough. He basically told Mar uh, Melarepa that in order to learn knowledge from me, you are trying to build this tower. And it's going to be a round tower. And it's going to be, you're going to build by yourself this huge tower. Well, he built the tower. It took him a long time. Then Marpa came to see the tower. And he said, no, this is not what I asked. And Melarepa was like, what you asked for it. This round tower. He goes, no, that's not what I want. I want you to build a square tower. That's what I said. So he built a square tower that took by himself to build this huge tower. Melarepa, well, future teacher, Marpa came back. That's not what I wanted. So now Melarepa is starting to get frustrated and lose his mind, but he, he never curses Marpa at all. He never like questions it, but he is questioning like, when am I going to learn? I'm getting, he's getting super frustrated. So he did this again to him four times. Marpa did it to Melarepa to the point where he was starting to lose his mind. He actually went to Marpa's wife and gave her gifts and everything to try to talk to Melarepa. But he's gotten, he got beaten for that, for even doing that, trying to buy his way into learning, into learning the teachings. But he was putting him on probation. He was teaching him something and he didn't even realize what he was teaching him. So Marpa one day was also in his teaching in, in one of his areas, a bunch of his disciples. And here Melareba snuck in because he just had to learn. He was so thirsty to learn, you know, and like all of us, we, we will almost do anything like to learn, like we're really seeking. So he tried to sneak in to learn and Marpa saw him and he took him out and he beat him saying, you're not ready yet. And this is, you, you have to listen. Now, he was getting so frustrated to the point that he kept complaining to Marpa's wife, who actually really took to him because she kind of felt bad for him. Like, you know, this poor, this poor kid or this man wants to learn. He wants to get himself right with himself, but he doesn't know how to do it. So he's asking for her husband's teaching and he's like been getting running into a wall. Well, I guess... Marpa's wife took it upon herself to write a letter 
to one of Marpa's disciples, who is now a teacher, and said that Marpa didn't have enough time to teach Malarepa and asked this guru or this lama to take him under his wing. Well, come to find out that Marpa found out about that and was very pissed off about that situation because he felt undermined for one. Plus, he was trying to teach um, Malarepa a lesson. And really, the main lesson, I think, what he was trying to teach him in the beginning was he had to break down his false self and who he was. He wasn't this vengeful person. He wasn't this, uh, he, he, he was a magician and possibly a Buddhist, but maybe he was a meditator, but not necessarily a Buddhist. And he wanted to break him down to shed away all of these belief, like, cause you gotta understand when you have that much power that you're creating hailstorms, of course, you're not going to be the most humble person in the world. And really what he was acting on was his ego, even just to learn. And like, he, he felt like I have to learn. Now there's always a saying in like karma work that when you do karma, when you do good karma work, you don't do karma work, like by helping somebody going, I hope I I'm going to get good karma doing this. You're actually supposed to come at it very humbly that you naturally do it to be good and you will receive good karma. So you know what I'm saying? So it's not like I'm going to go in and just be like, yeah, I'm going to go get some good karma. I'm going to go feed the feed the poor. No, you should be doing that out of your heart, not out of just because you want to do it. And I think that's what Marpa was trying to teach him. Like, look, you're not coming here to learn from me and get your karma right when it's really not set in your heart. Well, it got so bad to the point that he wanted to commit suicide. And the Lama that was under Marpa and Marpa himself and, and many of the people that were there stopped him from committing suicide because he felt so frustrated. But basically, Marpa told him what I just said before. This was a teaching, a stepping stone for you that you needed to break down, just like you were breaking down those towers to create your a new self, then you created another tower, but that tower was false too, to break that down. Then you built another tower, you broke that down. Then when he stopped doing that, he was learning to break himself down to get rid of the ego so he can start fresh and learn again. Sometimes we think about that as life, right? So why is life beating me up? Why is life doing? Well, there's karma. And one of the things that I read when I read about Melarepa was he never cursed his teacher for doing this. He understood that this was because of his bad karma or what they would say in Tibet, Tibetan Buddhism as his sin that he needed to fix. But then there was a time after a while of learning and going into caves. So he went into caves for days upon time and learning from Marpa then after that and learned self-enlightenment, self-awareness in understanding that there is this law of karma that he has to deal with, that you just can't go and do black magic or any type of magic to hurt somebody. But if you are, that there are consequences to it. 
Now, I'm the first one to say that you can do dark arts and dark magic, but you have to remember there are consequences for it. And it's not because something's going to come back at you threefold, like some people say. It's just karma. Now, sometimes you want to do some dark magic or some magic for protection or binding. There's nothing wrong with that. You're not physically hurting somebody. But what he did was create something to physically hurt somebody. And I think that's what he realized. So this great teaching that Marpa gave him was to break down his ego. Now, during that time, Melarepa had a dream about his mother, had a dream about his sister. And supposedly his home was months away and during a walk, but because of his yogic powers, they say, that he actually got there in three days. And when he got there, he went to his house and he found his mother's skeleton in, in the house and just the remains of a house barely that was there left. He found out that his sister came to just begging for food and the whole town basically turned their back on, on them. What he did was he went into his house and he meditated and he prayed and he meditated for his mother and father, that they may get their karma released. His aunt actually came over that was still alive and brought him food. And I believe asked for forgiveness. But she also told him he had to get out of the town because people were going to come for him because of all the stuff that he did in the past. And so he did. And he, and I'm, and he actually asked, I'm sure, prayed for them too. But over time, he was known to even study, I mean, meditating caves for two, two years at a time. And he actually brought his aunt and his sister into his teachings. So Melarepa had this extraordinary life that you should read about. It's called The Life of Melarepa, which is the book, like I've mentioned before. Because when I read it, it kind of like talks about, I guess, the story of life, how we can create our own problems and how we can create a lot of destruction and despair in other people. And we have to be very careful in what we do. You don't need to do a spell to do that. You can just be a person who doesn't know that they're creating this problem by not having self-awareness. That's why I stress so much about meditation, because meditation makes you so self-aware, but it also gives you the power to learn how to, to ground yourself before a spell, to ground yourself before an incantation, to ground yourself to invoke. And you need this self, this self power within you to do. To do that is to meditate and to be able to feel that. But you also need meditation just to learn to be self-aware. And you've seen a man who basically came from a revengeful type feeling to have an awakening and become a Buddha, to become an enlightened one. I mean, if you read about some of the stories of people who have became Buddhas, there's probably not too many like this one, which was so 
I mean, crazy. Now, there's somebody that's calling me right now, and I'm so sorry about that in the background. And um, sorry about that. Okay, I almost lost my train of thought. All I can say is, um, going back to that, is just remember your own path. Don't feel sorry for yourself. We all want to do that. We all want to play the victim. And I feel that that's what happened with Malarepa. He played the victim at first and said, I'm going to get revenge. But then he realized he's not the victim. He's just of his own karma. And there's this desperate need to find the truth for himself. And what, what an accomplishment that is. The book, The Life of Malarepa, is a phenomenal book. It's not a super long read. You can find stuff in plain English, meaning like, you know, some people like have this kind of like old English style of reading, of writing. Um, you know, but those are from so long ago translations. But you could see the the magic in Tibetan Buddhism. I always recommend people to go online on YouTube and watch some of the ceremonies of Tibetan Buddhism uh, with the... Um, I, um, I I don't now for some reason I'm forgetting the the term, but the growling, like kind of the growling sound of like prayer and everything and dances with very colorful uh, demon type um, dress and all this amazing, really powerful ceremonial stuff. But when you read that book and then you kind of like go into that YouTube thing and you kind of like, and you're like, wow, I could see back in the day, this powerful energy that they have. So enjoy this book. I hope you can pick it up. I learned a lot from it. Um, like I said, I, I just put things out there and hopefully to get your interest to see somebody's path and, and, and to understand that there is magic in all these different uh, paths, all of them. And some of them died down, but they're still around. And they're still, you know, they can be dark and they can be good. So infernal blessings. Have a phenomenal weekend.